Hello, everyone, and welcome to Staking Mondays. We are live. My name is Ken. I'm here with co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel. And today we have with us Tom Ivey of Edgeware DAO. So let's jump right into some lightning round questions. Tom, please be sure to answer these as short as possible. So what was your first investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? What was then called Secret Network, which is uh, which is like designed for, for privacy, uh, computation, multi-party computation stuff. That's beautiful. And what do you think is currently the most underrated crypto project? I got to say Polkadot on a both philosophical, architectural and technological level. In which alternative crypto inspired your work today? Ooh, alternative working crypto. I would say uh, Balaji, I'm going to butcher his name, Servasian's Sur uh, concept of network states, um, some of the privacy concerns and that, that were in secret network and, and persist in Monero, etc. cetera. Uh, and other internet, which is a, a really amazing think tank in crypto and research team. Cool. And who do you think, or like, who inspired you the most in the crypto industry? Like, who do you really respect and you learned a lot from? Mm -hmm. I would actually say Tor Bear, who who now heads the Secret Network project. He was kind of my first mentor and, and was the first one to like show up in person, invite me to lunch and like sit me down on a one-to-one -one basis. I think in person is very valuable. Tor is a friend of Staking Mondays as well. Mm. And uh, Tom, how much of your portfolio is staked? Um, traditionally about 70%. Later on, I'll mention some, some recent news, uh, particularly with Edgeware, which led to you know some liquidity being enter or entering the system. So um, no, I got to go back and click the buttons again. All right, that's exciting. And uh, what is an activity you do to relax from the white crypto markets? Mm, I actually produce uh, and DJ house and electronic music and from, uh, from the Detroit area, so it's in the blood. That's awesome. Really cool. And uh, guys, stay with us. Today we'll talk about a new era of human co collaboration. Um, will opt-in communities replace nation states? That's the big question of today. And uh, ready to take it off for the long-form questions, Ken. Yeah, let's hop right into it. So kind of a controversial question here. So in the current state, in their current state, are DAOs a useful tool to achieve decentralization? Or are they just a way of limiting liabilities for the founding team members of a project? Ooh, we're, we're going hard immediately. Love this. <laughs> um, I think it depends on how they're structured. It's like not, not all DAOs are created equal. Yak Collective has a really amazing kind of like two by two grid, um, which sets up kind of how, how consensus is derived and the lore on, on which they ground themselves. So like an example of maybe a, a DAO with more decentralized lore today is like, and DAO, I'm using this term loosely, you know, does a multi-sig with the chat room constituted? We're not really sure, but these like digital organizations more broadly, whether the automation is fully present, um, is Milady's, where anybody can kind of step in and produce lore, things that are canonical to the ecosystem. Um, and so it's like fully decentralized in terms of the meaning making. Um, and contrary to that, you've got maybe uh, like more traditional type NFT projects like Forgotten Runes, in which is a centralized entity producing the lore that people then participate in in certain degrees. Um, so the answer is we're not really sure yet. I think on, on the most simple side, a high amount of kind of signers to a multi-sig with some of the coordination mechanisms, preferably like pseudonymity, as, uh, as Balaji refers to it, the pseudonymous economy. Um, we'll take, we'll take the liability stuff further. Um, as far as it goes for like replacing a lot of our traditional entities, I think that there's a lot to figure out on the tooling side and there's a lot to figure out on the philosophical side. Right now, my thesis is that they're most likely to take the place of almost religious institutions, churches, um, local communities of 
highly values aligned and oriented people um, who then want to pool their wealth in something that other internet, what I mentioned earlier, calls squad wealth. Very cool. Um, that that's a great take. And like, so how, how do you think will like the the future of work look like now that we have DAOs and uh, work is structured in DAOs and people can just contribute? And it seems like the traditional world is still like living in the industrial age where like you you work nine to five and you have companies and like you clock in and clock out and whatever and um, you have like very very strict kind of rules. And now we're transitioning in the digital world and the metaverse and everything and like there, there's so much happening. Like wh where do you think this goes in terms of like the working relationships of people with like their employers or their communities or DAOs or, or whatever like how how do they contribute and how will the future of work look like in like the next five to 50 years or whatever maybe that's too far-fetched but like even for the next 10 years yeah mm -hmm. yeah for me this is somewhere at the intersection of like autonomous practices ai We saw huge stuff happen in the AI space this month, as even this past week, which seems to like rapidly endanger our conceptions of what design work looks like. Um, so I think in the future, one of the main ways that people will contribute work and that what will constitute their working relationship with others is actually the contribution of potentially lore and capital. Um, so as things become more automated, the funding to organize, to communicate, um, will become more in interesting, I think. I am concerned particularly about one trend in DAOs and the online workspace, which is atomization, social atomization, um, which is this idea that uh, we are moving things from a relational system of you know, you're in the village, somebody needs something fixed, so you put on the pants and you go do it because you don't need the money you know, necessarily, and, and maybe it comes with it, but it's because it needs to be done within a social group to a more atomized incentive and economically aligned system, which I think doesn't feel as good personally. So while I think in terms of like an open society and meritocratic uh, fair work economy, where people in India with the skills can do the same work that maybe we need done in the West, um, I think it's really good. There are going to be like no free lunch. There are going to be some social downsides to these systems, I think. Very interesting thought there. And you think about today, uh, companies and, and, and industry kind of rule the world. Uh, do you think that a traditional company, how far away is a traditional company from turning into a DAO? And will communities actually replace companies in the future? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Um, what we found in Edgeware for the past three years is that flat hierarchies, and we've known this a little bit, there have been a lot of experiments of flat hierarchies um, for the past 10 years, a lot of them coming out of Silicon Valley, um, inspired by you know a vision of everyone having a kind of equal say. It's that um, they move slower, they're more difficult to come to consensus. They tap into all the problems that crypto originally had. Um, and so I'm actually pretty bullish on hierarchical centralized entities for certain executions. I think what DAOs will do well is organize capital and assign it to centralized entities um, who will then do the work and be accountable to that community. Do you think there's a chance that uh, DAOs or communities will ultimately replace like um, kind of nation states or some something in that direction more, which is not that hierarchical like companies, because most of the nation states are like democratic and um, maybe there's a there's a better fit there. Even like very small kind of groups of like, I mean, it could just be like a, a DAO buying an island and doing their own nation state or something. Or it could start like that, for example. Mm -hmm. So I live in the US and I think, you know, the what I think our government primarily does is collects taxes 
um, appoints delegates or, you know, we politically appoint delegates and then they make decisions on what to do with those dollars. So in a lot of ways, the analogy is already very clear. Um, the things that don't fully analogize for me are uh, like geo-territorial security, who's going to provide policing, um, who's going to legitimize, quote unquote, you know, the use of coercion um, and, and force upon a body, uh, who's going to protect your property. So in this way, I think DAOs have a, is that's the final boss. And, and we can imagine a kind of a dystopic situation where um, DAOs hire private security forces and mercenary-like entities. They get a hold of some new defense tech. Uh, I don't know if I want to live there quite yet, um, but I think some people in San Francisco might want to live there today. The, the thing that has to, be, has to be solved before is that right now DAOs are aligned on, again, transactional and values, sorry, value-based um, relationships. We all partake in a common token. Um, we'd all like that to do well. We've all got you know time and, and potentially money and attention invested in this thing. Um, whereas I think nation states have the concept of a national idea, something that unites everybody in what it means to be X. Um, so the thing that DAOs and GLAC today is they're, they're great at lifestyle groups, um, friends of benefits. Um, Edgeware in some ways trying to make this transition from something that's, well, we're a smart contract platform to we exist to further X vision and manifest that in the world and to defend that position. Um, America's concept has always been kind of like the, the protector and, and, and bringer of democracy, you know, for better or for worse. Um, so there are a lot of things in the way, geo-territorial security, um, the concept of a national idea, but in a lot of ways, the ability to collect revenue, to decide what to do with it, if you do so at large scales is well within the reach of DAOs in my mind. And just one comment, like, because in the metaverse, there's not really like a geopolitical, like security or anything, right? It's just the metaverse is just digital. Yeah. Um, so in, in there, it would actually be way, way less of a hurdle for like a, a digital nation state, something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, validation and mining, you know, these are these are the things that secure the network. They provide the cryptographic, cryptoeconomic security guarantees. So, uh, you know, under the Polkadot model, Gavin Wood says that, uh, the relay chain is the United Nations and its parachains are member states and they pool their funds to reduce the cost, i.e. inflation, the things that they use to pay the security providers, validators, um, and, and to improve their security. So it's kind of win-win in this model, which is, again, why I'm really bullish on Substrate and Polkadot in general. And with the current function, you mentioned uh, DAOs are really good at just collecting value and distributing to maybe a central entity that further makes decisions with that capital. How do you think the function of DAOs will evolve over the next five years? Yeah, I think a lot of the tooling will have to focus on kind of like the accounting, um, the the work of checking in on the thing that they've contracted out, uh, measuring the performance of their dollars. Um, I talked to a lot of teams in the past two months that are saying, hey, we want to provide accounting tools, automated uh, payments and, and assessment tools for DAOs. Um, so that's I think within you know, two to three years, we'll have some very solid tools here. Um, governance tools also need to evolve. We're, we're playing around with different voting and tally types of network um, that help us come to more accurate consensus, whether this is like liquid democracy, where you can delegate your vote to an expert, um, whether you want to do ranked choice, which is currently under experimentation for like New York, California, Colorado, um, the quadratic voting method in which you get kind of like vote credits and you can spend them unequally. Uh, to, to have different impact on certain issues. That's really interesting for me because it, it I think, is one of the ways that which we more perfect democracy um, by mapping the impact of policies to those uh, with the greatest voice. The, the most impact 
greatest voice, keeping that more proportional, I think is exciting. Um, other than that, yeah, I think, I think we're going to see the, the evolution of these like national ideas come to Dow's um, with a lot of lore, other internet writes about this um, and, and a lot of a conception of like living an alternative life, whether you're pseudonymous or not, um, that allows you to feel kind of like, I think a, maybe a, a short-term analogy is actually like fraternal orders. So in the US we used to have uh, like the, the Elks Lodge, oh, that's still around, or fraternal order of moose. In Europe, there's these like lion's club type things of like long families, long social interactions that focus on values, philanthropy, moral development of their people, um, so on and so forth. So I think that's the short-term vision for me. What, what, what do you think like is the biggest, like most underexplored use case for DAOs still? Like, of course, right now it's primarily like capital allocation. Um, and then apart from that, so like, do, do you think that will be the primary use case for the coming five years as well? Like capital allocation kind of, or like, um, what about like the social aspects? And like you also mentioned the national ideas and so on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to the point about fraternal,